0: Hey, this is Nicole Ashley Fletcher, and you are listening to chapter two of A Grafting Story. Now, when I thought to myself, who do I want to be the first conversation of the series? My mind immediately went to my very good friends, Timo and Siobhan. So I can't wait to introduce you to them. They are two friends of mine that I have known for over a decade. They are wild souls, deeply loving, open hearts. They are two opposites. (laughs) Timo, steady, secure, intentional, Siobhan, full of life, adventure, and feats that love to run in step with the Spirit. (laughs) They are foster parents, they are adoptive parents, and they have and continue to open their home and their family to members of Siobhan's extended family and their son Paul's biological family. They truly are living a story of belonging. I got to sit down with them in their home in Hamilton, Ontario. And I got to say, this conversation is real. There are kids in the background. (laughs) There are sounds of regular life. So this conversation between three friends is something I wouldn't have had any other way. No curated sounds, just us. Now, I know you're going to be challenged by the perspective that they share, their bold faith in Jesus, and the sheer joy of living wide-eyed and wild in love. Enjoy. Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth. But God sees adoption as our divine heritage. How every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into his family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you, too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome a grafting story a retelling of god's adopted family and a new telling of ours
1: hi i'm timo
0: and i'm siobhan
2: and this is our grafting story
0: all right friends i'm so glad to be together with you it's It's valentine's day uh, i just ate a delicious sprinkled Valentine's donuts. i to tell Polly you this <laughs> yeah. I know our children are watching TV upstairs, and there's dogs in the backyard, and we're in your beautiful house in, in Hamilton. Just so glad to be with you today. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I mean we've had a long we've had a long history together. It's uh-huh. kind of funny and strange to think that we lived
2: together. It's like 18 years now.
0: Oh man, yeah, so long. And then yeah, we lived together, and then like years later, you gave me a new house basically. So. <laughs> So... I, I tried. <laughs> oh man. So I yeah, I mean there's so much that I want to talk about with you guys. And I am amazed at what God has done in your lives over the last I mean, over the last however long you've been married. When Esks. when was your Almost wedding? Ten years. Nine years. Oh, nine years. Nine years. I remember that wedding like the it summer? was yesterday. Yeah.
1: Huh. Yeah. I count the one year engagement.
0: counting his time with me yeah exactly (laughs) thank that um yeah and god has brought you guys on a long adventure it's been crazy and i i really um yeah i mean i love hearing about it and i'm sure that it's like something that I know you've talked a lot about it, especially in the last couple years, as you've added to your family yeah. in many ways, feel like but we're an open book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, So why don't you just talk about like who you are, what you do and what the last little while in your lives and families have been like? Yeah. So we have
2: been married for nine years together for 10 and a bit. Um, we met Tim was still a student and I was working at Tyndale University and we we met on a missions trip to going to Mexico and on that trip we were so surprised just by our relationship and got home and three and a half four months later we were engaged knew like that yeah. that we would be married um and yeah fast forward like We now have Paul, who we're so excited just to share that story, who we adopted, who are foster parents. And we've been, we fostered for four years and we now live in Hamilton. We moved here i never <laughs> thought i would live in hamilton i told Timo right from the start i will never move here
1: she fought it tooth and nail for <laughs> four
2: years but our family is here and so as we decided to grow our family and we just knew we wanted to be close to to family and so Timo's family was here when we moved here my family followed us here once we moved here can't be away friend. from you yeah you want to share more about what you? do
1: you do for work
2: I work at McMaster University.
1: And, ri- and raise Paul.
2: And raise Paul, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. And have some side hustles.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then Timo is I, a contractor. Yeah,
1: I'm a general contractor and uh, a real estate agent. And a whole bunch of other little things <laughs> on the side
0: And everything that Shabbat asked you to do, basically. <laughs> yes, thank you, Pinterest. I'm a yes-man husband. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about, because I think, uh, I mean... Uh, uh, your family growing process kind of started in a different way than you'd expect it.
2: Yeah. So we, our first kind of introduction to family per se was through fostering. And we feel like most of our life is just kind of moments that come up all of a sudden. <laughs> and so from For, meeting each other. Yeah.
1: And time that something blindsides us, we know it's the Lord.
2: It's the wow. Lord We just go with it. From our relationship, getting married. And so Zach was um, just a huge surprise for us. We we were not thinking of fostering. And Zach um, is an autistic teenager. And so he was 13 when we started the process. And we never in our kind of sane minds were like, yeah, for sure. Like we want to foster and specifically an autistic teenager. Uh, but my sister, I have a twin sister,
1: not just autistic, nonverbal autistic.
2: Yeah. And so I have a twin sister who has worked at Christian horizons and group homes. You know her very well. Got I to live with her also. Um, and she, just Zach's situation, just things were happening in their home, and she knew that he was going to need to be fostered. He had been in a foster home for just a brief two-week period that went mm. terribly, and um, it was someone that really didn't necessarily think through the logistics of having a nonverbal autistic teenager. Mm. And she, on Christmas Eve, decided she didn't want to foster him anymore and brought him brought him back as if he was a gift to exchange and it just that whole process was really tough on him and Mm so after Alicia saw that happen she came home to us and said how what would you think of fostering Zach and we had met him once or twice she would often bring The kids in her home, all of them were nonverbal autistic kids, and she would bring them over to our house to just play, sometimes Mm -hmm. in the backyard or see the dog. So we had met him a few times, but not a lot. And she asked me first. I was working from home at the time, and so she thought, I don't know, apparently she thought I had all the time in the world. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know what you're she did. <laughs> Alicia has
1: a big heart. She doesn't often think through the logistics. Of it. <laughs>
2: That's what you're there for. Yeah. yeah. So she came home and she said, like, why don't you, would you consider fostering Zach? And we had not been married that long, maybe for three years or so. And, um, I did not think Timo was open to fostering at the time, and so I just kind of—I actually got really mad at her, and I yelled at her, and I was like, "Why would you ask me? Because now I feel guilty that we can't do this." And I, like, I was like, "We're not in a place to like—we just moved here to this house in Milton. You just moved in with us. Like, we are not in a life." I didn't even really have.
1: Timo wasn't job.
2: working at the time. He had just graduated and was doing like odd jobs here and there, but wasn't working full time. And so it did not seem like the time to start fostering. And we asked
1: our family, and they said we're, we were ill prepared and oh. it was <laughs> a terrible idea.
2: So, but Alicia, <laughs> what happened first was Alicia went behind my back and asked Timo if he, like, after I said no very clearly, she went and asked Timo. And she did not tell Timo that I had already said no. It's mm, like testing the water. Like a little kid. Well,
1: and normally I would be the one who's <coughs> like OCD about the house being tidy and wouldn't want huh. anything out of place. Or, hmm.
2: but for whatever reason, the Lord had opened Timo's heart, and he said yes to her. He said, "Seems like a good idea." And so, when Alicia asked Timo, I had been. I think I a just business. didn't
1: have a good reason not to. Like yeah. We had a four-bedroom house, and we had space and we weren't really, he working wasn't working much, at so, the
2: time. I
1: guess, I guess <laughs> so. So.
2: <laughs> so that, and I was on a business trip when they had this conversation. So I came home and both of them were like, listen, we, I, I talked to Timmo about it and Timmo came, you know, talked to me. And so then I started to like really think through it and think through like, oh, he will be in school in the days. And hmm, I don't know. I just, as I start to th- Think through it and pray through it we were we just realized like exactly what timo said like why why not why wouldn't we if the lord is opening this door so then we went to cas and started that process so we were like a very unique situation in that we went to cas saying like we know this child is um gonna be like you're looking for foster homes for him and we would like to foster this child specifically and because he was as teenage teenager with special needs, they actually like fast tracked our process. Wow. So we we filled out our application with CAS and started our pride training two and a half weeks later, which you know yeah. <laughs> is not the norm. Um, and so we went through our pride training. We did our pride training uh, together at the same time as our home study, which doesn't usually happen, Um, and they just kind of rushed through that process, and so we were like, oh, like this is going to happen fast, Uh, but then because of just some different behaviors and things that Zach had from transitioning from that first move, Mm. um, they saw him just kind of slide back in behaviors two or three years worth of progress that they had made. Mm. He had kind of slid back, so they said, we can't transition him right now, just wait, and so we that wait. should
1: have been a warning
2: sign. <laughs> we waited, we waited for a year and a half, I think. Yeah. And at the end of our pride, they had said, like, you know, you, it could be a long time before you hear from us. So we just kept on waiting. And then probably a year, a yeah, year and a yeah. year and a half, somewhere in there, we, um, we we're like, maybe we should call C.I.S. <laughs> like, and so we called them. And it turns out they had mixed up our file or lost our file. And one person had thought that we had adopted a baby and so had closed it. But that was not the case nor the situation. And so then they reopened and Zach was finally in a place where he was ready to transition. And so because of his special needs, we transitioned him into our home over
1: almost
2: six months. months. So it was like just really quick visits at the beginning mm-hmm. and then him coming to our house and then eventually getting to stay overnight. And so we were really lucky that the transition went really smoothly. And, um, he, by the end, it was just like, he slept over one night. We said, do you want to stay? He said, yes. We said, do you want to stay? And he said, yes. And then finally we did like a social story to explain what No, we're I going think first
1: make. he asked to paint his room.
2: Oh, yeah, that's no. true. <laughs> that he was ready to stay. Yeah, he had pick, he picked out paint colors in a magazine. And it was like a pink bedroom. Like, he was ready to that's have right. his own color. And so that was, like, the beginning of our story with Sock. And I think what we learned through that is, like, you don't always feel like you're ready. You don't always feel prepared. Outside people, like our family, who said, you're not ready, mm. you not like, I mean, don't if we're being this. honest
1: with ourselves, we weren't prepared. Yeah. At no. all
2: because we were we were so young like
1: but that shouldn't stop you from doing something like, <laughs> just
0: I mean it's that age like prepared. You, you're never gonna be prepared for anything I mean I, th- I thought about that even before Reagan and thinking like what do I kn- I don't know anything about this like there's no possible way I can be prepared for this yeah so it's crazy. like it's it's that and uh, you know multiplied yeah and God just kind of teaches
2: you as you go and and there was grace and Mm. things were not perfect for sure. And, um, but what we saw in the very beginning of that transition was like how excited Zach was to have a home Mm. and for him to just like the anxiety levels in him. So he did things like paced a lot in his group home and he came to us and he used to, he paced a lot at the beginning and then like, stopped pacing and wow. settled and like just all of those things and we just realized like that home setting was so different than institutional living for him and that's right um
1: one of the most special things I remember was the first year um I guess we did we get Zach in the fall yeah yeah so we got him in the fall so by the next summer we our family had a trailer <laughs> in Gananoque wow. Uh, in the Thousand Islands and they had a couple of Sea-Doo's that we all shared and Zach was like, He went from this like super quiet anxious like reserved 13 year old to this like 14 year old that wanted to spend all day on the Sea-Doo's and he would just scream at the top of his lungs Like he loved it spent all summer in the water would just like he'd sing all the time
0: Yeah, it was fun well, one of the things that, like, as you're talking about that, that it just reminds me of, because um, your sister Alicia yep. lived with you, lives with you. Yeah.
2: Yep. And so... She was, she came initially for a little bit, and then we were like, okay, well, you'll stay with us the first year that we transitioned Zach. Yeah. And then she never left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why would she? But, yeah, just I think that, you know, in these in these stories, like... We talk a lot about you know these belonging stories Mm -hmm. and just being a place uh, that um manifests what actually like the household of God looks like. Yeah. And so thinking about how like that was a no-brainer for you obviously to have your sister be a part of your household. maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> the Dude, of, no Tim was the, the one that god actually invited like her three
1: adults in there with no pants on.
0: Oh yeah, my god. That goodness. is not what I like. But that um <clears throat> all of these little things that maybe you wouldn't have thought anything about but that you know in the transition season for Zach coming into your family, not just having another person in your community, but someone who like has real expertise. Yeah. Someone who uh, is is another. She had
2: lived or worked in a group home where he lived for five years. Right. And so that made sense. And I grew up in a giant house. Like there was 14 of us. So my mom was 19 when she had us and she has eight siblings and she's in the older side. So I lived with like all her younger siblings, my aunts and uncles And then, like, my cousins moved in at one point, and my my second cousins, like, my grandma's sister moved in at another point, and so we just grew up in this house where there was just always, like, the idea that if there was room in the house, people could be in it, and so, like, even when my my aunt moved in, it was her and her three kids, and she had life things, and she needed somewhere to stay, and so... It was, my grandma's like, well, we can make a room in the basement and we can make this into space. And so, and like when my granny was sick and she needed to come live with us, it was my grandpa's mom. So my great grandma, Mm. um, my grandma was like, well, we'll have to, we can rearrange the kitchen and close this off and it can be a bedroom. And so I just have grown up very much like in this space that if there is room in your house... You you can find space and build community. And Timo grew up, his parents um, trained missionaries and same thing. Like there was just a ton of people in your house and they really had the same attitude. And so we've always been very much like that. We lived by ourselves. For the first year of our marriage. Well, by ourselves, We had several friends that needed places to stay for a couple of months. So it we- was
1: pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> Even on our honeymoon, like, three days in, we're like, so...
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if I know, like, a more outgoing
0: person than you. Yeah. So, um... You
2: know, we all love people around, and yeah. so we just, we feel like our personalities... And you just, I don't know, you just... You learn so many social skills from growing up with that many people right. and having that many people in our houses. And, like, you and I lived together as roommates. And when we got married, I counted, I'd had 31 roommates wow. by the time we were married. And so... I, I think
1: I think what it, like, growing up in a big family teaches you just to not sweat the, the little right. things. Like.
0: And I think that that's something unique. I mean, like, knowing both of you for enough time uh, to get to know a person that, like... You both have a lightness about you that I think is, you know, when Jesus talks about be, like becoming like children, that there's this really beautiful paradigm. And I love that. I love that. There's also like a screaming child in the background.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're I
0: was doing uh, some like, uh, like a a three-year-old birthday video for Reagan <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't get it done because she was just screaming <laughs> <laughs> in the background. Yeah, us. All the like, time. happy birthday, I love you. And there's just like a, a scream. <laughs> Even <Yeah>. through this. <laughs> so yeah. But isn't that life though? Yeah. And I think that um, no matter how it comes, no matter what it is that that you go through, there's this lightness mm-hmm. that Jesus talks about and how we mm-hmm. uh, go through life. It doesn't negate feelings or yeah. difficulties yeah. or any of those things or conflict
2: or conflict
0: exactly but um but both of you really carry that and like you you replicate that wherever you go that yeah like this not sweating the small stuff is actually a really big deal and it's something that god kind of gives us as like a clue or an invitation into the light life that we have available to us yeah so no
2: it's true and we yeah and And because of that community that we built and the different people that have lived with us over the years and all of that family, like when times got difficult. So Zach, our first year to year and a half was, was incredible with Zach. Mm -hmm. And it was, we saw so much growth in him and development and, and it did like, we won't say that it was always easy because it wasn't, it was after that became really difficult just because of behaviors and hormones. And when you are working with kids with special needs, like just there's so many other aspects to, to their development that can come up. And so, um, we just, we saw more behaviors kind of come out later in mm. the later years and there was aggression and there was, he flooded our house and did $30,000 of damage at wow. some point. And, um, and that community and that family mm. was so huge to come mm. around us because we,
0: yeah.
2: like, we did need help eventually and we did need support. And CAS was also great at yeah. giving us support and, um, but like that family support was so huge and mm. just it, that community is...
1: Well, I would say even though there was that community, it was hard because often at times... Like family members looking in would say, hmm. "Well, you should have got rid of Zach a long time ago." Wow! Like it's too much. You shouldn't have. But we really felt that we, we weren't were still dying. doing the right thing, and, hmm. and and we weren't done with him being part of our family. And wow. yeah, it was a a weird dynamic of both support, but also
2: yeah. And we like we recognize that comes out of their love of, of us. Course. Like your family looks in and they say, "Well, why are you?" putting yourself through mm. this. And the thing that we really talked through is if he was our biological child, no one would have ever said, that's too hard. Just give up. Like, wow. And so we just really felt like in his situation, he didn't have a biological family that was willing to fight for him to be in the right space and fight mm. for him to, to, to grow in the way he he deserved, right? And I think everyone, whatever capacity it looks like, like everyone deserves a family and a family that loves them and supports them. And so we were kind of able to walk through that. And in the end it was best for us and best for Zach to be in a group home. And mm-hmm. that transition was really difficult for us. It happened sooner than we thought. We thought we would have him at least till he was twenty one to twenty two kind of age. Mm-hmm. Um and it happened on his eighteenth birthday and and I think that's the thing is when you're parenting with fostering, you go into it recognizing that, like, you don't get to make all of the soul decisions, yeah. and it's a, it's a process of parenting with his biological family, it's a process of parenting with us, Sack was a crown ward, so it was a little bit different, but... Um, it, it
1: forces you to trust God with the plan, because you, you don't determine the plan, you have no control, you barely have any say, even though you live with the child day in and day out, and you know them the best, and you feel <laughs> that you want what's best for them you just have to trust that God has it in control because
2: yeah yeah and so for us it came to a point that CAS said like no he's 18 and and for different reasons we need him to be in a group home now um and so actually it wasn't CAS because another agency takes takes like uh control after Hmm. special needs people turn 18 and so um yeah so we had to kind of let control and And when I think for me, like one of the things when we started fostering is what will that look like at the end and what will, and that's a big fear that a lot of people go into fostering and they think like, what if they leave and how will I feel? And, and like we cried and it was hard and it, it was a hard, probably three to six months of, transitioning him and, and watching it be difficult for him to transition. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't the best way to do it per se. We didn't, but it wasn't our say. And we still get to see him on the weekends and mm. continue that relationship and give him that family. But what we saw was that God kind of walked us through that and we wouldn't trade it for what we know for the family it gave him during that time. That's right. right? And so You are an adult and a a fully kind of formed person with really balanced emotional stability. And so for you to walk through that transition of losing that child is so much bigger than like that child never getting a home or never getting a family for whatever time that was. And so we just kind of look at that time and say, we gave him what he needed for that period yeah. um, and we'll continue to give him like what we can in the capacity that we can and we still very much consider ourselves his family and like he does his holidays and Christmas with us and things like that but it's just in a different capacity than what we expected yeah. kind of, in the beginning and so um it's we will foster again we think and lord willing and mm-hmm. we don't know what capacity that will look like if it we think it'll be very different than... Oh, I'm,
0: sure, I'm sure it'll be a surprise yeah. based I mean, on yeah. your track record. <laughs> sure. I'm sure it'll be a knock at your door yeah, or a phone
1: call. I not a knock to happen right now. Okay.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, going through all of that and and like you said, I mean, the the realness of the emotion and and all of the, yeah, you know, like those in-between places that you're talking about, Timo, of like sometimes... Things aren't cut and dry. Like they aren't Mm -hmm. simple. They aren't clear. They're they're a bit messy. Yeah. And so, how did Paul enter your family? Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: if if you ask Paul that, he'll say that we found him in the bushes. Wow. God put him in the bushes.
0: (laughs) And just an adorable, cute (laughs) little wild wolf or
1: something. Oh my god. I don't know where
2: he got it from. Just one day, and he's like, "Where did you even come from?" God put me in the bushes. (laughs) Well, that's not quite it, but... (laughs) Yeah.
0: So tell me about this vibrant, (laughs) brilliant, bright, shining boy. So
2: again, like Paul was one of those moments that we were not even thinking about adoption. We... And he just came into our life. We
1: were actually doing fertility treatment at the time, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't sure if we were pregnant or...
2: Yeah. So we had been um, doing fertility treatments for we had been trying to get pregnant for years and then doing fertility treatments for about a year prior to even hearing about Paul. And, um, dad is a pastor at like a fairly large church in Hamilton. And he just sent me a text message one day and said, Hey, there's a family in our church who has a, a child, their grandson. And, um, I didn't even know the situation around it. They just said he needs to be adopted. Do you know of anyone? And just, I love to network and stay connected with people. And um, because of our connections with the fostering community, he just thought, like, we might know someone, which we did. We felt like we knew so many. (laughs) So I texted you. I texted. I texted. One of the weirdest, craziest text messages I ever got. Do you want a baby?
0: (laughs) And and we, like,
2: at that time, the idea of us adopting him was not even, we had literally just done... um, a fertility treatment that like very much in my mind I was like oh we are pregnant like mm. it was our first round of IUI and I was like okay it's like a new thing it's gonna take the first time um they were like you you dropped three eggs so I was like we could have triplets in here like was, there was nothing in my mind that was like oh and we should adopt a baby It's was like we have triplets and,
1: <laughs>
2: and <laughs> praise uh, the Lord that didn't. That's, I feel like that's like the mind of someone who does not have any Babies is like, yeah, bring on triplets. <laughs> and now and then it's like having Paul is like, I do not want multiples. <laughs> I
1: was
2: like, how would I even carry them? But so it just it wasn't even on our minds, and we just connected with all these families. And over that time, what was happening in Paul's life was that um, he was going to become a crown ward quite quickly. So we knew where whoever it was, it had to happen like pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And so just no one was working out like you guys didn't have your pride training done and other families didn't have their home studies and then we found out that his biological mom would prefer him to stay in hamilton and so then that became a piece and and i had like
1: and then they uh, sent us a picture of him yeah oh. and
2: even but with the picture i even had this like little voice that i felt like the lord maybe starting to be like this he might be yours and I uh, it's not theological, but I like to make deals with God. And
0: so I was like, listen, us You just lay the fleece down. Yeah. I was logical. like...
2: He might be ours, but if he's mixed, and we hadn't seen a picture yet, so I was like, well, if he's mixed, then, like, he's probably meant to be our baby, and because we're a mixed couple, those of you who are listening and can't see us. <laughs> and um, I'm the white one. Yeah. <laughs> so I I got his picture, and he's, like, very like, blonde hair, blue eyes, very white, and I was like, well, not my baby. Wow. And um, I, and I to, saw <laughs> it,
1: and I was like, definitely my baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, wow. so that was kind of just the, the beginnings of As all of these other families didn't work out and then we found out we were not pregnant and timo saw this picture and he was like well maybe he's ours i was like i just i don't know i just feel like fertility is where the lord has directed us and this is what's gonna bring a baby into our lives and so then timo texted me a picture every morning uh, uh, that same picture of paul every morning saying adopt me adopt me oh. For and like a week worked, straight. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... And it, how can you say no to that? that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, it was payback for all the times she put, uh, get engaged or propose to Siobhan in my calendar. It's when we true.
2: Dating. When we when we were dating, I used to steal his phone and, like, schedule in proposals, suggested proposal time. I just know nobody like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, so that was kind right of the beginning, and then... Wow. And that whole time, like, we were very much in communication with his biological—at the time, Paul was living with his biological great-grandparents. So they were 75, and his biological grandparents were very involved, but his grandpa is a quadriplegic, and they just have a lot in their life, Mm -hmm. so he wasn't living with them, Um, but— he they were super involved and so it was actually his biological grandma Lori is her name that I was in touch with most and we were just getting to know each other and like learning their story and they're just this beautiful Christian family um, that they were just in a tough position and they, they, have, they had had Paul for he was in foster care for his first six months and then with his great grandparents for the next six months and they had built this relationship with him and loved him and as you would if you had a baby in your home and so it was just such a, a tough time for them. And as hmm. we got to know them, Timo was like, I remember him, like me saying, I have a call with Lori in a little bit, him being like, ask if we can have him. <laughs> and I was like, how do you just ask if we can have them? <laughs> how and do you so, brush that subject with someone? Yeah. Like, Listen. <laughs> Nobody <Yeah>. else is <laughs> working out to So I can't even remember how, when I, yeah. I, I can remember where in my house I was like that, but.
1: No, just, outside, I
2: was on outside the on, on the mm. back porch, yeah, and I can, but I do remember saying to her, like, what about Timo and I, and, mm. and she kind of just took this deep breath and was like, oh, and later she told me, she was like, I was actually hoping it might be you wow. guys, and so, and later Timo's dad told us, too, that, like, as soon as he heard about this situation, he just, in his heart, was like, oh, Timo and Siobhan will have that baby. And so oh. I was like, you should have told us from the start.
1: What a sneaky dude.
2: <laughs>
1: do you know anyone <laughs> who might want yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was worth the trip around. Yes. <laughs> so we just started that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really in faith because we, even though we fostered, there were still some things mm-hmm. with our home study we had to do. And so we had, I don't, we just started that conversation. I started phoning We, he was with Hamilton CAS and we had fostered with PLCAS. So Mm. we had to work interagency wise. And, um, We
1: we did not have nine months to prepare.
2: No. So he was, this was in August. Um, and so we like called CAS and we got, they were like, we can't do anything in time. You have to update your home study. We can't do that in time. So I was like, they were like, it won't work. I was like, well, I'm going to keep on trying. (laughs) So I phoned like every private home study person and they all had these six month waits and they were like, we won't be able to update your home study for adoption. And then finally I found this one woman in Brantford that was like, I was like, I need it done within three and a half weeks. And she was like, oh, I can be there in two days. And so she came and updated our home study. And so it just was like all these little God moments of like doors that needed to be open and In the CAS kept being like, I don't know. And I was like, we'll keep on trying. And so then we hadn't even met Paul at that time. And finally, his biological family was like, you should probably come over and meet him. And so we went over.
1: They very much, like, guided us through the process. Like, when Uh. we look back, like each step that we needed to take, like when they're like, you should probably start calling yourselves mom and dad now. Like wow, all these things yeah. that we just were hesitant, unsure of. They just,
2: yeah. Cause just everything was so up in the air and we just kind of marched through being, knowing that God had opened the store to say, well if he's open it and if it's meant to be, it will happen. And so yeah. we met him and Paul from the very first day we met him, like he crawled right on our my lap and played with Timo and laughed and and then I felt like in that moment I was like, Oh, you're ours. Like it just yeah. was this. And so we started doing visits and even those were just those were by just the grace of his biological family. C.A.S. was like, slow down. (laughs) Like, we don't know if this is for sure. And all of us who are all of faith were like, no, like (laughs) it'll be. Yeah, it is. And so we just, and we had an immediate connection with his biological grandparents and great-grandparents and, um, it just was, like, it's been a really beautiful relationship. And, mm-hmm. and so we met him in August. And by September, they were graciously letting us take him, like, almost 50% of the time. And so we had him overnight. And so for the very first overnight that he was with us, he slept through the night. And just, like, we, that connection But talk about really ill-prepared. Fast. We
1: didn't even know how to lay him down. Like, we had a, <laughs> yeah, pl- <laughs> a playpen set up. that carried him upstairs. We'd and then I was going to put him to bed. And I was like... I don't know how to put a kid to bed. Like, Do you lay he them on their down? Does he get socks? blankets? Is
2: he <laughs> we're like, like oh, no, it. I'm going
1: to kill him. On day one.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just were Googling everything. And we no. had like nothing like that crib. Literally, we had borrowed from a family or a family friend gave us like the day before he mm-hmm. came over for the first night. And um, Siobhan we just... couldn't even
1: sleep in the room with us. I had to, I slept in the room with Paul and Siobhan slept in a different room because she couldn't handle
2: Oh, I couldn't fall asleep the whole time. I was like, what if he stops breathing? And I just didn't sleep all night. So yeah, it it just was, everything was like so quick. And so, and then by November, and it's funny because at the time, because it's such a big life thing, it felt like, and because there was so much uncertainty, like it felt like it was taking forever. But now when I look back, I was like, oh, like within two weeks we had him time and then or 2 weeks of kind of saying like yes we're very interested in adopting him. So he was, he was 11
1: us. months, right? He was a year. Just a year when
2: he- Yeah, and um and then by November, November 20th was like when he uh when he moved in with us. So we got like legal custody for him to move us, in with us and like even that because We just have been involved with CS for so long. Like we know things can go quite slow sometimes. And so we went to court that morning, hoping that the judge would say he could stay, come and move in with us. But we just assumed that then if the judge gave the order, it would be like a couple of weeks. Yeah. And little did we know. So I had taken like the morning off work and I was like, I'll go back to work in the afternoon. We'll have an order either way. And that the, the rule with it is once custody um, assignments are done in court, it has to happen that day. And so... <laughs> His social worker was like, uh so and I'll he be had by to, in two hours. Yeah. And it had to be a it had to be a social worker that drove him from one place to the next. And so yeah, she was like, Well, I'll bring him this afternoon. I was like, better call my boss and tell her I'm not coming in. And so it was like <laughs> it and Timo had to work cause... and so I was just home with him that afternoon. I was like, We have a baby. Like it was just wow. so quick and but yeah. even that, like the relationship that we have with his biological family. We, like, we laughed because yes, was like, well, a social worker has to drop him off. And so, but we were like, well, we're all going out for lunch after this. <laughs> and so we went, like, we went out as a big family with Timo's family. And I think my mom was there, Paul's great grandparents and grandparents. And mm. so everyone's there for lunch. And we're like, okay, well, we had to go and separate. So the social worker could pick him up and then drive him to us. <laughs> it was just so funny. So, and then he moved in with us. Like, and it just... It
0: was. And you were home with him for a period of time.
2: So I had just started a new job in September. And so I did not. And when I applied and took the job, we hadn't even heard of him. Like, this is how quick everything happened. And so I was like, I don't think I can. I've been here for two weeks. I don't think I can say, thanks, I'm going to go on my bat leave now. Especially like when you adopt and it's not even like they hired a pregnant person and they're like, oh, yeah, she's taking leave. And so I wanted to stay there for six months until my probation was done. So Timo was actually home with with Paul. And then luckily my mom had got laid off, which was like not great for her, but it was great for us.
1: Anyone who's had kids knows that like up until maybe like one and a half oh yeah life's golden Yeah. so I got that time
2: <laughs> yeah Timo got from <laughs> so Timo had him from uh, was off for the six, for six to eight months and my mom like was around to help a lot which was really great like she and Paul have this super special relationship and mm-hmm. she was around so much too to the point that at one point I remember saying like mom you can't spend so much time with him because like, he has to bond with us right yeah. he, has, he has to see us <laughs> as his
0: programs, yes, right yes,
2: and so but we were so thankful for that and then I at around when he was about a year and a half then I took um, that time off and I was off with him for mm-hmm. for a year and a half which was like just this really great time and challenging time mm-hmm. and it was a weird time to take Malley because he was 18 months and so I was like oh all the things that you think you're going to do a mat leave, like, with your baby until they're a year. And but then she, dumb. like,
1: regularly complained about how difficult it was. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he was perfect for me.
2: Yeah, because you had my mom and all the grandmas. When Timo was off of him, they're like, oh, Timo needs so much help. How can we jump in and take him? And they are like, oh, Siobhan's got him. No, the grandparents helped a ton when I had him, too. But, yeah, it was so different. But we... Like because he came to us at a year, he came sleeping through the night. So we joked that we were like it's kind of this golden thing that we went into toddlerhood not sleep deprived because wow. he was already sleeping through the night and um
1: and he's a fairly high energy boy, so we're pretty thankful that we had sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's on the go all of the time. Yeah. And so we just I don't know, one of the things that we like learned through that or is that sometimes People will say, like, oh, you missed out on his whole first year. Ooh. I just, I feel like in any situation, you can always choose to say, like, oh, this is what I missed out on or this is the positive of it. And we look at the positive of we got this, like, beautiful baby yeah. who was sleep trained, slept through the night, has... And he has this whole other extended family that, like, we now have. And so um, we were so lucky in the relationship that he has, like, with his great-grandparents and his grandparents. It's so special because he spent that time with them and got to live with them and the relationship that they have with them. So we have, um, and he still sees his biological mom as well. Um, And for us, we feel like part of what made his attachment to us a little bit easier is that he's been so lucky to never have a relationship end. And so even his foster mom who had him the first six months and she's this beautiful Christian family, they have pictures of him um, in his like first couple of months in a, in a baby sling while she's singing worship on the stage of their church. And she specifically takes babies. She almost only fosters babies and she's incredible. And so, he, she still kept that relationship with him after he went and moved in with his great grandparents and they had been very involved in those first six months too. And so for him, like he's never had a relationship and he just keeps mm-hmm. getting more. And so I think because of that, he's very well adjusted and, um, he's still, so he spends right now like one day a week with his biological family and sometimes two days depending on it, but he usually has a sleepover. And so even with the transition, it made it so much easier that, you know, he went from, we basically were so lucky that he could spend like 50% of his time with us and 50% of his time with them. And he has been a super flexible baby and just Mm. like goes anywhere and will sleep anywhere and fall asleep anywhere. And, um, pretty much wakes up and he's like what am I doing today mama because like he spends right now he's spending one day a week with like he does one day a week with his biological family and one day a week with Timo's mom and one day a week with my mom and then daycare um, as well and so just every morning what am I doing Mm -hmm. today who am I going to go see and so he's he's been so lucky to just have like so many people love into his life and and that made for us the transition much easier also and much less all of a sudden wow which was helpful and and they his biological grandparents were so supportive and because everything was all of a sudden like and I just started this new job and Timo does rentals and he had a client on the go at the beginning and so we're you know and we didn't know like you can't plan on daycare when you don't know when you're going to get this baby and and so they were gracious and took him a lot of days a week when we first got him and I think that made the transition much easier too and yeah
0: it's just been really really great I mean I've loved watching you guys uh parent and (laughs) be a family and uh yeah, and Timo, even in the in the summer when we got some time to spend together as you were tearing apart my house and putting <laughs> it back together. Um, and just some of the interesting conversations at that time. And so talk a little bit about... Just even some of those, I mean, you alluded to some of those conversations Mm -hmm. with Zach and just kind of, it's always, and no matter where you are, people will always have things to say and there will always be ideas of what you are versus what you are. And, um, so, I mean, you talked, like you, you mentioned it briefly, you're a mixed race couple, uh, Paul is not mixed. Yeah. How do all of those things fit in? Like, what like what have been some encounters that you've had that have offered you opportunities to share a little bit about what God has taught you mm-hmm. and allowed you to become as you've been in this process?
1: I, I feel like a good a good backstory to to any of these other stories is the fact that when we had talked about adopting. Early on, when we were married, I was against it, like hmm. dead set against it. I was like, I don't think that I can love another kid that's not my own. Interesting. And I looked at it very much that if you don't birth the child, it's not your child. Hmm. And Zach started, I think, to change our perspective on that. Like, hmm. we were, we I think we just realized maybe.
2: And it's those thoughts that made me initially say no to fostering because I was like, well, Timo will not be on board. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I had you, this yeah. You, you, you start to think that that maybe being a parent is not what we think it is in the mm. traditional sense, and being a family is not what we think it is, and mm. uh, and now having fostered and adopted, I I can't possibly imagine that there's any difference in how mm. much you can love a child that's birthed from you or not birthed from you,
2: and that's something that like. As we share our adoption story, and sometimes I'm hesitant to tell people like we were going through fertility because I think Mm. often people assume adoption is for those who can't have their own biological kids. And we don't know what's in store in terms Mm. of how God might grow our family in the future. But we really look at it now as we were so lucky that we weren't able to have kids in those specific few years that we were trying because then, like, the door was open mm. that we could have Paul. Yeah. And we truly feel like he was literally knit together in somebody else's womb for us. Like, yeah. and people who spend time with us and to spend time with him, like, they can't believe they're like, that he's how not, is he like, not genetically yours? <laughs> like, he is. He looks so much like Timo. His personality His is personality. so much like me.
0: He's like, like a little Siobhan when I watch him I yeah. run around and <laughs> converse with it's other
2: people. True. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And so So it's just so funny and we just feel like there's so many moments I'm like, well, what if, like, what if we had missed out because we were pregnant at the time or because, you know, if we'd had other small children, we might've said like, oh, now is not the right time and we'll wait. And, and so I really, I don't, I've never felt like, oh, this is a consolation prize to us not having biological children. And, and that's something that's always been super important for me for other people to know like this is not a oh second prize like wow. he, i feel like he is the first and if he is the only child that we ever have then we will be so grateful and he will like our family very much feels just fine as it is now i mean we for the sake of him we're like it would be nice to have a sibling <laughs> we grew up with siblings and um but we just like for what we need we're like no he mm-hmm. is perfect for us and sometimes we joke we're like someone who has like our genetic quirks like might turn out not quite for us. (laughs)
1: Maybe the Lord was giving us a favor.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sometimes
2: it's good to go out of the gene pool.
0: (laughs) Ryan, I used to always pray when I, um, when I was pregnant that, like, oh, dear God, would she, would she get the best of both of us?
2: Yes. <laughs> exactly, right? And like, but, I,
0: but I think that what the picture that I have of you always is, um, I mean, like both of you are, are people with your hands open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think to understand, I mean, like scripture says, like, God is the one who knits you together. Mm-hmm. And so I think to have your hands open of like God, whatever it is that you want for me that's that's what I'll receive with great joy and thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And that like, you're not afraid to run after whatever that is yeah. and and to knock on all the doors yeah, and see. to receive from God what like he has for you. And yeah. that's a really unique um, gift that you offer, yeah. not just to Paul and to the other members of your family, but like to the world is to, to show that open-handed living because yeah. it's so rare.
2: The thing that we've learned through it is that if it's right and we, and we feel in our souls that God is opening this door, and when it comes to people, like if 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 it's people coming into your life, that's usually God opening the door, right? Like it's right. not just a a random. And what we've learned though is like He will then give you the skills and things you need. That's right, and the tools to get through whatever it is. And so I think sometimes people like you try and overanalyze and you think like, what if this, what if this, and you forget like the power or, that our God or fostering has, right? as,
1: as the example to that. Like those, maybe the last three years we had Zach were the most difficult three years of our lives. Like hands down, hmm. emotionally draining, physically draining. We were always on edge, hmm. but we would not trade it. Like, I would go back and do it all over again.
0: Now, as we kind of, yeah, close our conversation, like, when, I mean, you alluded to it, like, before about this, you know, mutually beneficial thing. I think the the tricky thing that we can, or the trap that we can fall into sometimes is, is thinking, like, this is charity. Mm-hmm. Like, we're... Um, you know, the the haves helping the have-nots and mm-hmm. forgetting that, like, God has designed something to be mutually beneficial yeah. uh, for the sake of his glory. And so, um, so two things, I guess, out of that, like, what have been some of the things that you felt like have changed you to be more like Jesus or to know God in a way you couldn't have imagined knowing who he is um, going through and being the family that you are now? I would say...
2: For me one of the big ones is just really getting like a full picture of what just like adoption into the family of god and we've seen like through paul's adoption just like we've gained this whole other extended family and and that's one of the things too that people will say to us like Oh, it must be so hard to have an open adoption. And I was like, no, it is the best. Like we see him to see your child loved on in a mm. totally different way is so incredible. And for us, like his biological family like loves us so mm. well. And they are so good to us. Mm-hmm. And yes. <gasps> it is. Uh, you're it's upstairs on my bed. <laughs> um and we just have got this like really incredible community hmm. and what so like we get from it but then on the and we know that for them to continue that relationship with Paul and that was one of the things that when they first um got kind of served the papers because within Ontario you have one year to decide, put a plan of care in place to, mm. for a child and that hadn't been done in the way it hadn't been communicated well enough and so they were served these papers that said like it's going to be a closed adoption and uh-huh. so they may not have known where he ended up or they may not have known like anything he could have mm. moved in with a family and then that be the end of the relationship yeah. and so Daddy. for us like to know Daddy, that uh, they can still continue that relationship the- is huge for us. Yeah. Um, And then on the other side of that is to know, for us, like, one of the things you hear with kids with adoption is, like, a cause of anxiety is that wonder of, like, where did I come from? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? And so for us, and that moment of, like, wondering, what will that moment that I meet my biological mom or dad be, like, that, for kids to wonder, like, Mm -hmm. what will that moment be like when I meet my biological mom and my biological dad, what does that look like and where did I come from? And, Mm. um, for us, for him to just have those relationships already. And for us to know, like, that's never, that's not going to be a moment for him because it's just going to have been what was. And, um, and what we've seen is like just God's hand through all of that and through those relationships. And there's moments that, like, we've been so lucky, and we recognize that every family is different, and every situation is different, and would I say that open adoption is for everyone? Maybe not, depending on the situation, but, um, and pa- Paul's biological mom, like, we see her as well, and we recognize, like, the gift that she has given us is huge, right? And and sometimes from the outside perspective, people have judgments looking in on adoption saying, like, well, the biological parent, like, they must have done something to, you know, have their child either taken away or to mm-hmm. need to give them up. And what have they done? And, and there's so much judgment on that. But we look at it like she loved Paul so much that she was willing to give us him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like a little bit of added pressure in parenting that you, you kind of feel like, Someone gave us their kid, and we have to do right by them, and right by their family, and, and right by him, and, um, but we just, I don't know, it's just given me this whole other picture of love, and, and learning to love his biological family because of the connection through them, and, yeah. Um, and the way that we, you know, he's just opened our hearts to just understanding this whole other way that God loves us, right? And and that adoption into his family and, and mm-hmm. what that looks like with God as the father. And yeah. I don't know, it's just it's, being a parent. I think was, that's
1: the, the biggest piece for me is real. You you know that God loves his children and we're all his children. But then you see an actual little child and you see how, like like, you can fully get a better picture of how much God cares about this little child Mm. and wants the best for them. And then you think about yourself and you're like, oh yeah, I'm also that little child. And it just like, we just, I don't know, we don't see Paul as ours. Mm. I I think he was put into our lives and we have the privilege of raising him and like experiencing Mm. his personality. And Mm. I don't know, I I find it super overwhelming that...
2: Well, that the, the so Lord would blessed. entrust us with, like, his yeah. story and his and His life and, mm. you know, taking care of him. And, I don't know, we've also just learned about the beauty that comes out of brokenness and, and his situation to start, like, could have looked from the outside, like, so broken. And the idea that when we look at just, like, how Timo's dad got this job in Hamilton mm. and, like, that came out of difficult health circumstances and, like, all of these little things that had to fall in place for... Us to meet him and be here. And you see
1: that God started his story before he was even born. And you're like, like, wait, what just happened? Five years years before Paul was even (laughs) born, the Lord already started moving things into place so that we would be able to...
0: Yeah, like, and that's what I think about. So when you you really realize exactly what you said, that actually the children that God has entrusted us to are his first. Yeah. And that, like, he loves them more than we could ever imagine, yeah. and he gives us this gift to be able to steward them and care for them. And and I remember this moment of, you know, and I had pretty bad postpartum um, after Reagan was born. It took probably around six months for me to really bond with her. Yeah, and um, and I just remember looking down at her tiny little body and feeling like she was a stranger and. Uh, and not really knowing what I was supposed to do with her, and I just remember this, like this holy fear, yeah. Um, in this moment of of the Lord saying, like, she's mine, like take very good care of her, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> was like holy if, fear.
2: If you start with that,
1: if you yeah. start with that as your perspective as uh, of parenting, whether it's your own child or an adopted oh child God. or a foster child, you That's all so of a good. sudden realize that you're not in control okay. of any of it. And it's a and it's like a freeing moment because you're like oh well, I'm I don't have to be quite as concerned about screwing up this kid because someone else is <laughs> is helping, me. He's helping me and taking care of this. <laughs> so like, I find yeah. that just that was a crazy perspective yeah, change. When
2: we just like and and, and
1: looking back to not being open to adoption at all, mm. I wouldn't like. If I could go talk to myself back then, I just, like, he just couldn't even imagine.
2: I literally can remember, like, being on a, this was years ago, being on a missions trip. I was, like, my first year at Tyndale to Trinidad, and we were working in this orphanage, and there was this little girl. I cannot even remember her name, and I I still have a picture of me and her. And, like, this moment of God's voice being, like, like, it was just this very clear moment that I was, like, oh, I could love someone else's child. Like, and it was this funny, like, I had just met this little girl that day. We were working in an orphanage mm. and, um, and then this like little moment, but then like you kind of forget about those moments. Mm. And as we walked through this adopt, but it always stayed in the back of my mind. And then as we walked yeah. through adoption, I was like, oh, God started preparing my heart for this like years ago. And it, and it comes
1: back to that perspective thing that you said that <laughs> this is not your child.
2: That's
1: right. So people say, well, you should have your own kids still. Then. Whether it comes out of your own womb or someone else's, this is not your child. It's God's. And
0: and I remember thinking, um, you know, when... Uh, so the first time that God says his name uh, in scripture, like Yahweh, and and uh, it goes through... Oh, gosh, I obviously can't think of the biblical reference <laughs> right now. <laughs> Embarrassingly <laughs> enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, like, I am the Lord, the gracious and compassionate one, slow to anger and abounding in love. And yeah. that that compassion word comes out of this Hebrew word for womb mm-hmm. and just how it's this idea that like we have all been birthed at, like, and like can grown in the womb of God. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it really does help you to see not just like the e- even children. Even Jesus there. being,
2: <laughs> know, it's a great grown, that
0: <laughs> well, like grown in a womb I
1: know. and that was not Joseph's child. I know, yeah. So clearly, you know, Adoption is Who are, a are we God to story. imagine that God is not growing every child for a specific purpose and just like using you women as like vessels, <laughs> <to both. Precious laughs> little, little incubators for his babies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just what you said before about, you know, so what you said before about, um, just this, like this, this brokenness picture of, of, um, of what's possible out of that. And And I know for me, like, you know, coming to faith at 18 and realizing like, that's me, like that you could take my broken, like life and I don't know, not knowing God and probably being, I don't know, whatever it is that I was, um, (laughs) (laughs) that like you would want me like Mm -hmm. that you would want me and want to like transform my life. Yeah and and give me like name and a new inheritance and a new seat at the table. And like all of these things that I didn't deserve because like my story could have been so different yeah. if like God hadn't taken me in. Yeah. And so, um,
2: and that was something yeah. so important for Paul, like through the adoption and through the way we did court papers and the way we did um, his mom's like giving up her legal rights, even the, the way everything was worded it was so important for us to, for him, if at any point he ever looks back to know, like he was always wanted. Mm. He was wanted, you know, by everybody. And so that's something that, um, we hope and we've kind of, like, we just continue to communicate it to him and pray over him that he will always feel belonged and, and wanted. Right. And I think that's something that like, what a sad place to not feel wanted. Right. And, and, so much of our society and so many people and that's like in foster care even there's so many kids that just feel unwanted and untaken care of and so but we, we also want
1: <laughs> Paul to like first and foremost understand that it's like God wanted him
2: that's right and made him for us and made him <laughs> like, like
0: he loves him so much yeah uh, well like, let me um uh, <laughs> Let me pray for you and your family. If I could. I just yeah. I'm so thankful. Thank you for your open-handedness. Uh, it, it as we're having this conversation, it's just um, yeah. It's like inspiring me. And I think like oh man, well, we're so excited <laughs> we for are just in the beginning story, of this process. And like, I think like I have no idea what is <laughs> for us. You think you know? It's like
2: the best kind though, right? Don't. Like you
0: just.
1: Yeah, Nikki shows up next year with seven children. <laughs> a
0: whole family. I reject that.
1: <laughs> All those best laid plans about staying in your house till your kids are
0: gone. Turns out
1: we're like a farm, guys.
2: You never know.
0: Right? Don't tell oh, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, Bullets let pray. <laughs> Oh well, our Father in heaven, we um, yeah, we're just so thankful that you wanted us, that you wanted us, and you chose us uh, before, yeah, you even like put the stars and the sun and the moon in the sky, and so we just confess to you, God, uh, all the ways that we have claimed our own. Uh, biology, our own ways, our own thoughts, our own plans. And uh, we just continue to relinquish them and ask for your gracious help to continue to pry our sweaty hands open (laughs) so that we can receive uh, your best and your good that you so generously want to pour out on us. And so I just thank you for my friends, uh, for Timo and Siobhan. I thank you for their open-handedness And I thank you that you have been with them uh, in all the moments that they uh, have recognized your presence and power and strength with them. And in all the ways, God, that they won't see or know about this side of heaven. So I just pray a blessing on them, on Paul, on Alicia, on Zach, and on uh, any and all new members of their family that you have already ordained uh, before they had their eyes open So I just pray that you would continue to be with them and continue to make your glory and your love, the love of the Father, uh, the call and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the power and life of the Holy Spirit alive in them manifest on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus name. Amen. If you can imagine it. They are even more fun than they sound. (laughs) I was so glad I got to sit down with my friends. Uh, You know, we just could have talked forever, uh, laughed and cried about all kinds of things. And there was so much in that conversation. I hope, you know, you took one or two or three things. Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit has a way of kind of uh, pointing out that one or those two things that uh, God really wants to speak to you about. And so I hope that as you listen today, that you take that and you reflect on on it and just really ask God about what it is that he has next for you. I know that there are a few things in that conversation uh, that I have to think about now too. Well, one of them in particular, you know, I I was thinking about what both of them were saying regarding uh, being blindsided, so to speak, by life and knowing that that was God, and how they weren't relying on their own understanding or their own ideas of what they thought their lives were going to look like, and you know, it just really brought me back uh, in in Matthew in the New Testament of the Bible, uh, the call of Simon Peter and Andrew, James and John. You know, Jesus is standing there and he's calling them out of the boat, and it says actually that James and John, you know, like they're with their father, and they leave everything behind and they follow him, and you just think. Uh, about what they thought their lives were going to look like before they met Jesus, Timo shared. You know, if he could talk to himself years ago, he would uh, have something quite different to say than what he thought at that time. That when we encounter a living Jesus, you know, we get called out of the the boat uh, of the job of the life of the picture that we thought we were going to live, and we enter into an adventure. <laughs> They didn't give, Uh, they didn't ask Jesus for a roadmap. They didn't ask him for his big plan. They just followed him. And I am being challenged over and over again. We joked about it at the end of the conversation, but it kind of gives me this holy fear myself as uh, my family and I enter into new uncharted territories and how I'm realizing how dependent God wants me to be on him. Not because it's a test or because it's cruel, but because it's the only thing that's good. It's the only thing that brings real life. So here's to real life. Life to the full with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions, to share resources, or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or nicoleashleyfletcher.com. But more than any of that, please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now.